Hey there, thanks for joining me this week. My name is Tim, and just like you, I'm on a journey to discover more about God's love, his creation, and my identity. I don't have all the answers, but I've got a lot of questions, and I've got a feeling that you do too. So, let's explore together. Welcome to The Sanctum. Welcome to Sanctum Podcast. You could be listening to anyone else. Jamar Tisby, Phil Johnson, or that new Wale, but you are listening to me and I appreciate you. Wow, it's been a long time, but I am back. I've been gone for so long that uh, I'm just going to say that this is season two of Sanctum Podcast. That's right. Welcome to season two of Sanctum Podcast. I hope your spirit and curiosity is not only surviving uh, COVID, but it is thriving, all the COVID and racial unrest, a presidential election. It's been really tough on a lot of people, uh, me included. And I want you just to know that you are not alone. On today's episode, I want to pick up where I left off last season. Uh, I want to talk to you about the Jesus prayer. Uh, I can tell you that this simple prayer has helped me get through some trying times, and I hope that it may become another tool in your spiritual arsenal. The Jesus Prayer is a short mantra-like prayer that is surprisingly powerful and full of theology. The Jesus Prayer has become a centerpiece of my personal prayer routine, so I'm really excited to share it with you. Here's the full prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, the sinner. And that's it. This little prayer has really helped me focus on the presence of God in my life throughout the day. The source of the Jesus Prayer is rooted in Scripture. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 18, verse 9. It says, Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to this house, justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You can also read about the leper in Luke chapter 17, verse 13, and the blind man in Mark 10, 47. In both of these stories, the men cry out, Lord, have mercy on me. Asking God for mercy is a staple of Christian worship. Every denomination that I'm aware of acknowledges the importance of the individual to declare themselves unable to save themselves. So going all the way back to scripture, we can see the church using this simple prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me to invite Christ into our lives so that he can do the work of salvation. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing, which is something that I have covered in this podcast. It's important that we remember that our very life is a prayer. Our life and everything we do is sacramental. If we are a believer, then we are in Christ and Christ is in us and there is nothing that can separate us from that reality. However, we don't always feel that way, right? So what's lacking is our realization of our unity with Christ. And this prayer helps me 
realize that God's presence is everywhere at all times. Way back as early as the 4th century, maybe earlier, monks recited the Jesus prayer throughout the day. It was an acknowledgement of their need for the one who is mercy incarnate. If you're like me, coming from a charismatic background, asking Christ to have mercy on us repeatedly throughout the day seems unnecessary. I mean, because God shows us or he showed us his mercy by sending his son to die for our sins. However, this type of mercy is very different from the Western understanding of mercy. When we say the Jesus prayer, we are not asking for mercy as a prisoner would ask for mercy from a judge, but it is an invitation for the person who is mercy to pour out himself on us. The prayer is an invocation of divine presence as much as it is a prayer for forgiveness. In Greek, to have mercy is the word eliason, and the word has the same root as olive tree and olive oil. The word is important because as we study scripture, we see that oil represents God's presence, his blessing, and his healing. For example, oil was poured over Aaron when he became high priest. We see that God used a dove to bring back an olive branch to Noah, signaling that the flood was over. And we see that Jesus used oil in the parable of the Good Samaritan to soothe the wounded. Divine mercy has the same properties. So when we ask the Lord to have mercy on us, this is what we are asking for. Like I said earlier, the prayer is full of theology. So let's break down the words. Lord Jesus Christ. Here we are acknowledging who Jesus is. Jesus is Lord. He is Master and King. In Acts 2.36, Peter, preaching to a crowd in Jerusalem, said, Therefore, let all the houses of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. That was important for the people whom Peter was preaching to. It's important that they understood who Jesus was. He wasn't just another prophet. He wasn't just a good teacher. He was the Lord in the flesh, a God in the flesh, a God incarnate. And that's important for us to realize as well. We need to know that God, the God that we serve is just not our buddy or Santa Claus to give us everything that we want. He is the Lord. So it puts us in a subordinate position to the Lordship of Christ so that we can further rely on him and his grace to save us. Okay, the next part goes like this. Son of the living God. This is directly from scripture. Matthew 16, 13 through 16 Jesus asked his disciples who they believed him to be. It's interesting to see that the disciples' response. They responded, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. You notice that they are repeating what they heard from other people say Jesus is instead of who they believe he was. We have to have a personal revelation of Christ in addition to a corporate revelation. So here's what Peter says. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. The reason why we proclaim that Christ is the son of the living God is to remind us that God is alive. He is active and he is involved in our lives. We do not pray to idols and dead things. We interact with an all-powerful living being. That is important to realize because if we are praying to a being that is distant and uninvolved, 
then our prayers are wasted because they are unheard. Here's the last part. Have mercy on me, a sinner. When you study the word mercy in the Bible, you'll find it is used in the past, present, and future tenses. For example, the psalmist asked for mercy in the present tense in Psalms 85.7, Show us your mercy, Lord. And in Jude 21, we are encouraged to look for mercy at a future time. It is very similar to salvation. We are saved, we are being saved, and we are awaiting salvation. It's almost like the part of the prayer allows us to step out of linear time, chronos, and into the past, present, and future time, kairos, as the Lord, who is seated outside of time, as he pours out his mercy on us every day. And we need this mercy every day because we are sinners. We fall short of God's glory, but through grace and partnering with the Holy Spirit, we move toward our ultimate salvation, which is union with God. By acknowledging our shortcomings, we can receive the gift of God's mercy through humility. So that's the theology of the prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So let's talk about how we use the prayer. The prayer is to be said throughout the day or in a set-aside time for prayer. I like to do both personally. Throughout the day, I'll pray as I'm working, playing with my kids, or doing chores. Um, matter of fact, I used it today. Uh, I went to Little Caesars to get a hot and ready pizza, but of course it was neither hot nor ready. Uh, and it was late at night, and I had to put my kids to bed, but time had gotten away from me, so I'll... I was really impatient having to wait for a pizza that was supposed to be ready. This was supposed to be a really quick trip, and it was not. So I had to pray for myself just so I could have patience while the pizza that was supposed to be hot and ready was being made. So the prayer reminds me that God is present, and in Him I live, move, and have my being. In this way, I am cultivating a habit of prayer unceasingly. Also, I'm not separating my spiritual life from my physical life. They are intertwined. Like I said earlier, every aspect of our life is sacred. When I have time, I also like to say the prayer at a set time. So, for example, I often stop in the middle of the day to pray. This gives me the silent contemplative focus that fuels my inner being to conquer the rest of my busy day. So here's how I use it. Again, you want to find what works for you. This is just how I use it, just to give you an example. So first, I actually start by singing the prayer. It's a little bit shorter, but I sing the prayer because I find that singing the prayer slows my breathing and it helps me relax. Also, by singing the prayer out loud, it helps quiet the noise of my mind so that I can focus on Christ. Once my breathing is slowed and I'm focused on the words of the prayer, I recite them normally out loud. Then I recite the words inwardly, not speaking, but saying the words over and over in my heart in silence. After a time, I go completely silent where I am not vocalizing the words, nor am I silently reciting the prayer, but my heart is at peace 
and I am simply enjoying the fellowship of love. During these times, the Jesus prayer becomes an avenue of silent contemplation. I try to set aside at least a half hour um, in a quiet place to do that type of spiritual work. So I want to give you the actual example of what I do. Again, this is just an abbreviated version, but I encourage you to try it out for yourself. Um, But find out something that works for you. Now, I cannot sing, so I don't want you to send me emails about needing voice lessons. I'm being very vulnerable here by singing on this microphone, but I'll do it a little bit. (laughs) Okay, so here's here's how I do it. So we're going to start off with a couple deep breaths. Just to try to get relaxed and focused. And then I'll start singing the words. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Don't forget to breathe. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And then I will start reciting the words normally. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, the sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, the sinner. When you start the prayer, you want to breathe in. Then the second half of the prayer, you breathe out. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, the sinner. Then you recite it silently in your heart. And then, when the moment is right, everything gets quiet, your mind is at rest, and you can just enjoy the presence that has always been there. Thanks so much for listening this week. I hope you enjoyed the message and were encouraged to believe a little more. Feel free to check out my website, sanctumpodcast.com, for show notes, resources, and reviews. I also love hearing from listeners, so if you have a question or an idea for a show, don't forget to say hey. I'll see you in two weeks for another episode of Sanctum Podcast. Until then, be blessed.